I wonder if you've ever heard the saying, ignorance is bliss. Anyone heard that saying? If you've heard a few nods. Uh, it's a bit of a funny saying, isn't it? I found this little photo uh, on the internet. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, it says, you know, there's this guy who's just kayaking along, having a beautiful time, totally ignorant of a massive shark. I don't know if that's actually a real picture. It seems like maybe that shark's been slightly enlarged to me. But have a look there, right at the very end, at the bottom, it says, ignorance is bliss, right up until the very last few seconds. That's true, isn't it? Uh, You can kind of live your life, uh, you can live your life kind of just ignoring things that you know are coming up. Uh, You can do that, you can... You can just live, you can kind of put things on the back burner, think I'm not going to worry about that too much, and maybe you'll be able to just kind of find a bit of happiness, a bit of bliss, you know, kind of smiley and happy for a while. You could do that. Most of you kind of sitting here tonight, you know, 10 days, most of you will be sitting an exam. I don't know if you realise that. They're pretty close. Uh, Exams aren't that far away. Now, there's two ways you can approach exams, right? You can kind of be totally ignorant. You can go, exams? I don't have exams. No exams. Nothing about exams. Don't worry about exams. Don't worry about logging on to the LMS and finding out your little exam schedule. Don't worry about that. Just put it on the back burner. There's no exams. Don't worry about it. Completely ignorant. Just ignore it. You know, what are you going to do? We might might go to the beach, go for a drive, down to Geelong, something like that. Maybe go, go to the movies. Just live it up. Have a nice time. Just completely ignore what's coming in the future. Ignorance is bliss. But what happens if you do that? What happens, you know, like you turn up, you're kind of lazing in bed because that's what you've been doing. Tuesday morning, someone sends you a text, 8.30 in the morning, hey, mate, do you want to lift to the exam? And you're like, what exam? Where? I didn't know what exam was coming. I was totally ignorant of that. I forgot about it. Ignorance is bliss. But it's not the right way to live, is it? To just ignore things that we know are coming up. I mean, that's one option. That's one way that we can go about life, just kind of ignoring these big events that we know are happening. But the better way, what's the better way to do? You know, you've got exams coming up. You prepare for it, right? You start studying. You get your laptop out and you watch those lectures that are online and you, you, know, you go over your notes and you summarise them and that's what you guys are doing, right? You've been, you've been doing that, yeah? Good on you for coming out here tonight. I mean, there's a few people are probably studying instead of coming here. So good on you for that. But keep studying. Get ready. Get ready because your exams are coming up. The better option, you see, is to get ready. You know exams are coming. So you get ready. You don't just ignore what is plainly coming. You know, tonight uh, we're continuing this little series in 1 Thessalonians about how we stay on track with Jesus. And tonight we're going to see two big things that are coming up in our futures. The first one is death. The fact that we're all going to die. Paul's going to give us some real clarity about death. Now, we, we don't like to think about death very much, but it's coming, right? you just got to think about 100 years. None of us in this room will be alive. Death will have got all of us, right? Maybe Knox. Maybe Knox. Yeah? Reckon, reckon you can make... How old are you now, no? 22. 22, 122. Do you know, I saw a fact the other day. Um, we're, what are we now? 2014. We're 2014. Um, 
if you go back like two centuries, so people that lived in the 1800s, do you know out of the 7 billion people who are alive, how many are still alive that actually lived like were born in 1899? 14. 14 out of 7 billion. And you reckon you're going to make 122? Good luck. Death, death's going to get us all, right? That's the first big thing. Death is coming. We need to wrestle with it. We can't just be ignorant of that fact. But the second thing that Paul wants to talk about tonight to the Thessalonians and to us uh, is actually Jesus' return. The fact that Jesus, who, who came along, lived 2,000 years ago, died on that cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, he's coming back. The Bible is very clear about that fact. Jesus will return and he will bring an amazing world with him. He will change this world. And he'll wipe away all sin and suffering and death once and for all. Sickness will be no more. Jesus is coming back. But until that day, until Jesus returns, well, people die, right? People have been dying for the past 2,000 years. So that's where Paul starts in this section. He actually begins by addressing this question of what happens to Christians when they die. Uh, the Thessalonians, it seems, they, they were pretty worried about those who had died before Jesus came back. They believed, they were really convinced of the fact that Jesus was coming back. And so they were really worried about, well, what happened to these guys that died in the meantime? Uh, if, if they've died, will they miss out on the new creation when Jesus brings it? It was a big issue for them. So Paul writes to them to answer this question. Have a look there in verse 13. Paul says to them, he says, You do not need to grieve like the rest of humanity who have no hope after death. Verse 13 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul addresses this issue of death head on, doesn't he? He says you don't need to be ignorant about death. In fact, because of what he's about to say in the next verse, in verse 14, he says, you actually don't need to grieve like other people do who have no hope. Now have a look what he says there in verse 14. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. See, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, what he did all those years ago, when he died on that cross, he defeated the power of death, he defeated sin itself, he paid for it on that cross. And then what did he do? Well, three days later, he walked out of that grave, didn't he? He defeated even death itself. He's the only guy that's ever done it. And he said all along in his life that he was going to do it. All along, you can read through the Gospels. Three times in most of the Gospels, Jesus says, I'm going to die on that cross and I'm going to rise from the dead. And he did it. He defeated death. And so Paul says here, he says, God will bring with him, Jesus, the one who's defeated death, all those who have fallen asleep in him. It's a powerful message, isn't it? I think most of you have probably been to a funeral or two in your time, and you go to a funeral, and what happens? The body goes into the grave, gets covered over, and you, what do you do? You weep, right? You cry. It's right to cry. We grieve because we've 
lost someone precious to us. We actually grieve in relation to the good that we've lost. And these words, you know, they actually they don't say don't grieve. I've been to some Christian funerals and it becomes it's almost become like a celebration and I feel like, no, that's not quite right. Paul doesn't say don't grieve here. He actually says, no, you, you don't grieve like those who have no hope. See, we grieve with hope. See, when a person who has died, who is a Christian, you can have tears in your eyes, but you can look into that grave and you can say, I will see you again. I will see you again at the resurrection. Because your death, or because of Jesus, it's just like sleep. You will wake up again. That's a powerful thing to say, isn't it? To be able to look death in the face and say, actually, its power is gone. It's just like sleep. They'll wake up again. I'll see them again. To be confident like that, it's amazing. See, this knowledge, this hope in the midst of death, suffering, actually helps us stay on track as Christians, doesn't it? I think think it's often the death of a loved one, someone that's really close to us. It can be something that really shakes our faith. I know in my own family, my grandma, uh, my mum's mum, uh, it's what actually shook her faith to where she has no faith anymore. She used to be a churchgoer uh, and she would go to church regularly and then one of her children died after three weeks. Uh, three week old and she has never entered the door of a church again. How can God be loving when that kind of thing happens? Does God really care? How can God be good in the face of death? See, death, it can shake our faith, can't it? It can shake us up if we're not prepared, if we haven't worked out how God is truly good to us. So I think death actually scares most people, doesn't it? Most of us, we like to ignore death. We don't like to talk about it. Uh, particularly, you know, when you're in your 20s, why well, do you want to talk about death, right? Ignorance ignorance is kind of bliss when it comes to death. Just forget about it. That won't happen for another 80 years. I mean, Nav reckons he's got another 100 to go. It's actually, you know, it actually comes up in the language we use, don't you reckon? People don't even use the word death anymore. We use all these euphemisms. We say... Oh no, they've passed away. They're pushing up daisies. They've kicked the bucket. They've gone to meet their maker. We use all these other phrases because we just don't want to even use the word death because we're scared of it. We don't know what to say about it. But Paul says to us here tonight, do not be ignorant about death. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now Paul says, I want you to be completely the other way. I want you to be able to look death in the face and though it may be through tears still have confidence that God is good and God is loving and keep your trust in him. The question is, how do you do that? How can you do that? Well, the answer's there in verse 14, isn't it? It's because of what Jesus did for us. It's because Jesus came and he died for us and he rose for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that Christ 
died for us. That's how we know that God loves us. That's how we know that God cares about us. It's not by looking at the circumstances in our life. It's not by going, oh yeah, I've got a really nice car and and my life seems to be going okay and I passed my exams and therefore God must love me. No, it's not like that at all. No, you can fail your exams and you can be sick and you can have all these sort of things going on in your life but you can still know that God loves you. Why? Because of the cross. So it's not about the circumstances in our life. That's not what we look to. If we want to know if God cares, we want to know if God loves us, and you look to the cross. It's a very important lesson to learn before distress and disaster happens. If you're an underlining person, Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. So Paul, in these opening few verses, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed about death. I want you to know very clearly that those who die in Christ are safe in Christ. And you'll see them again. So have a look what what actually happens next in verses 15 to 18. Paul spells out what's going to happen when Jesus returns. And the big thing he wants to say in these few verses is that we will be reunited with all those who have died trusting in Jesus. Let me read these verses out. Verses 15 to 18. Uh, Paul says, For this we declare to you by a word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, And with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. There's four things that Paul says there in those verses. The first thing that Paul says is that Jesus will return. Jesus will return. He will descend from heaven with a commanding voice. And if you know that passage in Revelation 21, it's the same picture there as the heavenly Jerusalem comes down to this earth with that commanding voice that says God has come to live with his people. Second thing we see here is that the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, those who have died trusting in Jesus, they will get their resurrection bodies back. Their physical bodies will be given back to them, renewed, restored. Uh, If you want to know more about that, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the place to go. Thirdly, Paul says, we who are alive, who are still alive when Jesus returns, we will meet them and Jesus in the air. Jesus will then wipe away all sin and suffering and death. And then finally, fourthly, end of verse 17, we will always be with the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I reckon that's going to be a pretty incredible day, isn't it? Just to think about that. Just to try to imagine that day. One day, Jesus will return and all eyes will see him. All those who have trusted in him across the ages will be brought together in this amazing reunion 
and we will be forever with him. And it's an amazing thought just to try to picture that. There's a song that we sing in our church sometimes and it's called We Belong to the Day. It's got this amazing line in it and it says, The earth in its turning stops to marvel at the Son of God. I don't know if you know that song. Isn't that an amazing lyric? Just to think about that, the earth and its turning stops. Everyone that's doing anything, right, will stop and go, it's God. It's God's Son, Jesus, returning. They will marvel at him. It's incredible. The risen and the ascended Jesus, he's coming back. And we will marvel at his glory. And so Paul says, Christians... Encourage one another with those words. When life is hard, when you think you can't go on, when death confronts us, encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming back. He's going to make it all new. He's going to fix this place. In the face of death, encourage one another to keep on track with him. Those who have fallen asleep, on that great day, we will be reunited with them and with the Lord. The second coming, it's a great cause for encouragement. But the big question is, I think, the big question is, well, <coughs> when's it going to happen, right? When's, you know, I'm going to get my calendar out, I've got my exams on these days, I'm getting ready for them. Uh, when's it going to happen? Well, it seems that Paul, in verses 1 to 5 of the 5th chapter, uh, he says two things. He says it's going to be sudden and it's going to be definite. It's definitely coming. Paul uses two images, two images that he actually gets off Jesus to illustrate what Jesus' return will be like. He says, firstly, verse 2, he says, it will come like a thief in the night. Now, that means that Jesus is going to come suddenly kind of unexpectedly. I mean, you think about thieves, right? Uh, thieves don't often tell you when they're coming, do they? I've never had a phone call, you know. G'day, Steve. Yeah, I'm a thief. Uh, coming tonight, 10.15, just sort of let you know. It doesn't often happen, right? No, what do thieves do? Well, you get, I've been robbed. It's happened, right? They come suddenly. That's the first image. Jesus is going to come suddenly, perhaps tonight, perhaps tomorrow. There's a story of a, of a preacher who used to have this desk, you know, like in his office, and when people came in, he had this little poster kind of on the front of his desk, and it said, perhaps today. And people would say, oh, what's going on today? And you go, oh, Jesus might come back. And kind of, you know, change the conversation. Perhaps today. We don't know. But what we do know, well, because of the second image that Paul gives us, is that he is definitely coming back. Uh, See, what's that other image there? Well, verse 3, he says, it's like a pregnant woman going into labour pains. Uh, I think Amy's the only one in this room that's pregnant, been pregnant. Uh, She would have known that baby was going to come, right? It's definite, right? Once you're pregnant, you kind of can't just go, oh, hang on, just gonna, just gonna wait 12 months for this one, right? 15 months, just push it back a little bit. No, it's coming, right? It's definitely coming. That's the idea of the, the labour pains. It's coming, it's definite. Sudden. Paul says here, verse 3, 
He says some people will say, no, it's not. Some people say, no, peace and security. I love the way Terry read that. How did you read that, Terry? Peace and security. It was kind of nice. Yeah. You know, peace and security. Some people say, everything's fine, right? We don't have to worry about that. We kind of realise that death might be coming. We don't, we're not going to think about that. Jesus' return. I mean, come on, mate. What are you, what are you on about? 2 Peter chapter 3 spells this out. Pastor Nathan read this out for us last week. He said, people will scoff in the last days. That's what it says in 2 Peter 3. People will laugh at this idea that Christians are speaking of. Jesus coming back? The world going to change? I don't think so. Everything just seems to be going on as normal, doesn't it? I mean, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen tomorrow. People will scoff. But you know, the other thing that gets spelled out in that passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 is that now, Right now, this time period we're in, before Jesus' return, it's the time of God's patience. It's the time when God is being patient, waiting for more and more people to repent, to turn back to him, so that that day will be a reunion with Jesus and Christian friends, instead of a day of judgment. See, when Jesus comes, it will be sudden, and it will be definite. And for those who have not put their trust in Jesus, for those who have not had their sins forgiven, they will not escape God's judgment. For those who are living lives of darkness, it goes on to say in these verses, when Jesus returns, their darkness will be exposed and God's judgment will fall on them. That day will be a day of separation for them. Separated from God, separated from everything good. Jesus calls it the outer darkness. But for those who have put their trust in Jesus, well, Paul says, verse 5, he says, You are not of the darkness, but you are children of light. You are children of the day. See, though we have all sinned and though we we do deserve death, we do deserve that separation from God. We deserve that for our sin, our rebellion against God. We've actually been made children of the light. Children of the coming day, Paul says. How is it that this has happened? Well, it happened because of that previous day of the Lord, didn't it? Because of the first time when Jesus came to this earth. See, on that first time when Jesus came, that first day of the Lord when he died on that cross, he bore the darkness on himself. The wrath of God for our sins fell on him. He was separated from his Father so that we wouldn't have to be. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We have hope, you see. That final day, we can actually look forward to it because it will not be a day of judgment for those who are in Christ. 
No, we actually look forward to that day. It will be a wonderful day. It will be a reunion where we meet one another, where we meet Jesus face to face. So the day is coming. The question is, how do we get ready for it? Well, firstly, we need to get ready by getting right with God, don't we? I wonder where you're at with this. Uh, Perhaps you're not quite sure how that last day will go when you meet God. Uh, Maybe you're not quite sure where you would stand in relation to him. Well, friends, the good news of the Bible is that if you put your trust in Jesus, if you ask for him to pay for your sins, then you can have absolute confidence that on that last day it will be a day of joy. Romans chapter 8 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No judgment. It's all fallen on him. Jesus takes it for us. All your sin, all your badness. Jesus paid for that when he died on that cross. That's the first thing we need to do. Have you done that? Have you made peace with God through Christ? Secondly, uh, if you have, if you're a Christian, uh, well, verse 8 actually tells us as Christians how we prepare for that coming day. Uh, We prepare for that coming day by knowing that we're actually children (coughs) of the coming day. We belong to that day. Paul says there in verse 8, he says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. What that means is that we are to be clear-minded about the day that is coming. We're to know what sort of lives we will live in that coming day and start living lives like that. You know, you think about it, there will be no sin in that coming day. So we put off sin right now. We get rid of it, we put it off. See, our hope is that we will always be with Jesus that we will always be with him who is bringing this new world, a world of righteousness and justice, a world where people know how to love people properly, where there is no more sin, no more suffering, no more pain, no more darkness. Just love people who live properly, people who care about one another. It's actually too amazing for us to imagine Paul says, since that day is coming, start living like that day. Put off sin. Put on love. It's a wonderful vision. Because of Christ, because of him, we can be confident on that last day. Death need not worry us when we find ourselves safe in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, these are big topics for us to think about tonight, to think about where we stand before you on that last day, whether it's when we die and we meet you or whether it's when Christ returns. Father, I pray that each one of us will make peace with you through what Christ has done. Father, we thank you for your love for us, that Jesus died for us on that cross. While we were your enemies, while we were sinning, Christ came and he loved us and he died for us to give us life that starts now and lasts for eternity.
Father, for those of us who have accepted this wonderful gift, Father, help us to live lives that, that mirror that. Help us to live lives that are worthy of our calling. Help us to put sin to death. Help us to rise up in righteousness. May we encourage each other with these words. Amen.